Hello and welcome to the 100 Podcast Emergency Edition because there is news. Things are happening in the 100 and we're here to cover it for you. Ed Farrer, Charlie Peters, we're here. Charlie, big news, big day, things happening. Lots of things happening, lots of coaches changing, lots of news flooding through. I think we're going to focus on one bit of news in particular, which is pretty exciting, if I might say so myself. Ed, go on, do the honours. What's happened? This is the big one. Here we are. Announced today, we know the Welsh Fire have been looking for a coach. According uh, to t- The Telegraph, and Will McPherson's done this report, Michael Hussey has been offered the job uh, of Welsh Fire to take over from Gary Kirsten. He's been offered the job, which is an interesting thing to note. But if you're the Welsh Fire and you're leaking the fact that Michael Hussey is probably going to be your coach and he doesn't become your coach, that's very, very embarrassing. So I think it's probably tied up. So Mike Hussey taking over from Gary Kirsten as the Welsh Fire coach. As mentioned, David Saker was also in the running. We talked about him last podcast. Uh, Mickey Arthur was also in the running. His commitment to Derbyshire before we get into this, is is remarkable. He's taken over Derbyshire. He's he's talking to Pakistan about going back. He's flirting with Welsh fire. This this man has taken one visit to Derby and fucking hates it. <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I know this isn't the main point, but Mickey Arthur is not loving Derbyshire. Shan um, Masood left and he thought, fuck it. Like, I have Shan, I've got nothing. I, I literally joined for Shan Masood and off he pops. <laughs> and what am I left with? Anyway, so beyond that, Michael Hussey to the Welsh Fire. My instant reaction was, well, first of all, he wasn't really a name I considered. My instant reaction was, this is the kind of coach that we wanted to see. This is a highly respected name, former player, seems like someone who's going to be able to build a culture. We talked a bit about that when we were kind of talking, discussing other players like Ricky Ponting and who might come in as coach. It feels like he's the kind of guy who's going to build that culture, which we, we think the Welsh Files are going to need. He's around the England team, um, which, which is you know probably a positive at the moment. Um, so he's well-liked in the ECB. Uh, and I wonder if his presence is going to make sure that their top players play for them. We haven't seen much of Johnny Bairstow for the Welsh Fire. Obviously, he's coming off an injury. He's playing a lot for England, managing his workload. A lot of focus on the ECB wanting their players to play full-time, which we're going to come on to later. Just It just feels like it ticks the right boxes of what we're talking about, what we wanted, Charlie. It, it really does. It makes a lot of sense. We wanted kind of glitzy name, a glamorous name, a, a name that suggests that this team actually means business and isn't just going to lie down and accept that they are a bit rubbish. Mike Cussie is a big name. He's never been a head coach before, to my understanding, but obviously his role of England recently in the T20 World Cup went out very well. Of course, they won the thing and all the players seem to like him very much. In fact, I believe they want him to stick around and do more. So clearly he's a good report there and clearly he's very well liked within the ECB, both players and staff. Um, he's just a very highly regarded guy in the world of cricket. I don't necessarily know what his records can be like as a head coach. As I say, he's never done it before. So there is a little bit of a leap into the unknown there. But I feel like at this point, he's probably got the pedigree to deserve a shot. So I think it's a really cool appointment. I don't know any more than that. I think that obviously we're talking about unknown quantity to a degree, but it's cool and I think it's quite exciting. Yeah, I think it's. I think it is exciting. I think that's the right word. It's interesting because he's been a batting coach at CSK. He's been director of cricket at Sydney Thunder. He's done some batting coaching stuff around the world. He's got quite a varied CV without being 
like a, a head coach. And I, I do think it's interesting, actually, and there's, there's a whole thing to be done on this in, in the new world. feels like, you know, great cricketers never really went into, like, head coaching theoretically before, but there are less head coaching opportunities around. Um, you know, you're either the head coach of a domestic side or you're the head coach of a national side, less jobs around. But now you can, you know, be in charge of these big franchise teams, big T20 teams, a bit more glitz glamour, bit less time at work. There are more opportunities. We're seeing more big names step in, Viv Richards, Brian Lara, all sorts. And he does bring he does bring that. I was I was thinking about this the other day. We didn't bring him up in the um in the other part class we were talking about, but the name that actually came to mind the other day when I was thinking about this is another candidate was David Hussey, um, his brother, who obviously is uh, the, the head coach of the Melbourne Stars, done some good stuff over there, worked with Ben Jones at uh, the Stars, uh, who's also analyst at the Fire. So yeah, it is interesting. I think I think that's the thing though. It's an unknown. Like we don't know what Michael Hussey's gonna be, but he could be great potentially. This is the thing. He could be very good, and sure, he might not be very good. But frankly, they couldn't get any worse than last season or the season before. A change is obviously necessary. Fresh blood was obviously necessary. A bit of a reset in terms of the culture and the outlook this team has was clearly necessary. And frankly, of the three names that seemingly were si- were seriously considered, uh, alongside Mickey Arthur and David Saker, Husky's the one that I feel like has the biggest chance of being able to reset that culture, being able to bring in a fresh philosophy and just stamping his own image and moulding this team in a new direction. It might work, it might go horribly wrong, who knows, but it's not going to get any worse. So it's worth a shot. And I think the thing to remember here is that the Welsh Fires recruiting last year wasn't bad. Mm-hmm. The, it, the results were bad. The process was fine. I think what they did in terms of recruiting and the, the, the job their staff did in general in the draft and the pickups they made were pretty good. Like we agreed with most, and we thought it was sensible stuff. The players just didn't perform, um, and and you wonder if Michael Hussey can come in and can kind of give a bit more of a an edge to that side, push them a little bit more. Having Mike Hussey around might make a difference. I think that's interesting. The other note of this I will pick up is that the ECB, the one thing they can't allow the Welsh firemen's side to be is a, just a train wreck. There at least needs to be a selling point to this team. And I think Michael Hussey is a selling point. Now, I think it's important to remember that Michael Hussey is very, very cool to us, to the cricket fans that the 100 are trying to hit. Michael Hussey is not that glitz and glamour and fun and but <laughs> it is a selling point that Mike Hussey's there, successful player, done it all, feels like someone who just adds a bit of something there, will get the players playing hard. And, and the ECB cannot allow the Watchfire just to be abysmal and have no selling point. And I think Michael Hussey will give them something, a jolt in the arm, something a bit different and i i do wonder if the ecb were involved in this decision in any way i i don't we don't really know how these franchises work but i think it's interesting that two of the leading two of the leading people here were people who are on and have been on the ecb's coaching staff previously we know the connection david sake has had for a number of years michael hussey more recently I wonder if the ECB has kind of stepped in here and thought, let's get our guy to fix this mess. Just uh, no no evidence on that, not hearing anything. Just my initial thought when I saw this announcement was, I wonder, I wonder whether the ECB have played a part in this. 
It's entirely possible. I feel like these franchises are pretty dependent on the whole. They've all got individual general managers and their setup is fairly separate, I believe, from the ECB. But it's entirely possible that this has happened. And frankly, if that was the case, it probably wouldn't be the worst thing to have happened. I think it's very important this competition that we don't have one team who are absolute stragglers who are just rock bottom. That's not good for anyone. The whole point of franchise cricket is that it's competitive, that it's refreshing itself every season to have teams on a more or less equal playing field, or at least teams have the potential to make themselves equal. Um, the last two seasons, that hasn't been the case, and that needs to change. So if they have in the bid, then honestly, fair enough. But I don't know if they have, if I'm honest. It's difficult to know. I am, I am interested in this. Not 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 fully completely sold, but I'm I'm feeling pretty good about this. I think it's a good hire. We'll see. The, the proof's in the pudding, right? He's got to turn this thing around. And it might be a two-year rebuild. So let's see how he goes on that front. Um so I think it's a I think it's a commitment to pick up a side like the Welsh Fire who've been that bad in the last couple of years. I I don't think anyone's gonna think you're gonna turn it around straight away and that's a one-year job. You've got to be you've got to be committed to maybe a losing season and building. So um Interesting. A couple of other coaching hires that we should hit. Not really emergency news. These things have popped up over the last couple of weeks. Let's, let's go through them now. A couple of appointments in the women's side of things. Stephen Parry has been appointed the Originals women's head coach. First thing I thought about this is that that is great news for the development of Hannah Jones and all of the million other left-arm spinners that the Manchester Originals seems to like. We just don't know much about Stephen Parry as a coach. Yeah, look, I, I first want to preface this by saying that I don't want to disrespect Stephen Parry by saying this isn't emergency news because Stephen Parry was an absolute <laughs> icon of the game when he played. An England legend, God. Stephen absolute Parry, God. let's not forget. Um, but I, I think it's difficult to know what to say here because he has never been a head coach and hasn't really coached that much. His main job, as far as I can tell, has been with the Originals women the last couple of seasons in their backroom stuff. So clearly he's someone the players feel familiar with. He understands them. He understands the culture and the philosophy of that team and how they want to play. So there's a continuity there. There's a philosophy. From that point of view, it makes complete sense that that's the direction I want to take it in. But it is an unknown quantity, so it's difficult to know exactly what to say until he gets out there with his team and starts building it. Stephen Parry is a really good cricketer, and I do wonder if there is something in T20 cricketers who have made the most of who they are in that format. Stephen Parry didn't turn it that far, didn't have any fantastic skills, wasn't overly tall, got all that bounce. He was just really, really effective. He knew how to play to his strengths and was a fantastic T20 bowler for a period. Like a really good one. I think people forget how good Stephen Parry was. And yeah, and I'm excited to see how it goes, because then this is a pro Stephen Parry podcast. Now, there's absolutely no way we can evidence this, because <laughs> the last time we talked about Stephen Parry was well, three or four years ago, probably, in conversation. But I, I, I am interested to see how it goes. Loved him as a player. Interested to see where it goes. Now, from one Brisbane Heat legend to another Brisbane Heat legend, God, that's a deep cut, Stephen Parry at Brisbane <laughs> Heat. Let's talk about Ashley Nofka, um, Australian coach, heading to the London Spirit um, women's team, uh, obviously head coach at Brisbane Heat women, never come lower than third across the uh, seasons he's been there, 32-18 and 18 record um, as head coach of the women's side. Obviously, there's a bit of a connection to a couple of London Spirit players. You've got 
Amelia Kerr playing over there for Brisbane Heat. Jess Kerr also, who was a replacement player for London Spirit last year, yes, um, also playing for them. So you got that connection to the Kerr sisters. He's a, done a really good job with the Brisbane Heat, who are a pretty effective side. Um, I've done very well all the seasons he's been there. Feels like it just feels like a good choice for the London Spirit. I think so. I feel very bad for Trevor Griffin. Had him on the yeah. podcast a couple of years ago, and lovely man, really deep thinker about the game, and clearly a very, very clever and astute guy. But I think it's fair enough that they want them to look in the new direction. I think they've got Nofka now on a two-year contract, so they've given him a bit of security to come in put his stamp on this team and mould it in his own image, which I think is completely fair. I think most of the contracts are only one year uh, rolling deals. So having the two years there might help him feel a bit more secure uh, and give him that little bit more time to rebuild. So maybe that's something to take notice of. But generally, as you said, Nofka, very good record, a very highly regarded coach, and I'm sure he did a good job. It seems like a very good fit. And I think it probably just means you're keeping Amelia Kerr for two years, which is great because you need to do that because Amelia Kerr is fantastic so i think that's a very good choice for them look i mean i'm, I'm not going to pretend that i i'm, I'm an expert on Ashinovka's um coaching philosophy I, I don't think you can really know masses about a coach really until they've coached two or three places a lot of the time because the individual situations you find yourself in are so different but i am really interested to see how it goes with london spirit i think it's a good appointment good track record that's the kind of appointment you should be making if you want to make a statement in this tournament. So excited to see how he goes. A couple of bit more news before we get out of here. Let's talk revamped central contracts, Charlie. Because as we mentioned earlier, the ECB very, very keen to have the stars of the England side play in the 100. They are, and rightly so. As the big bash we've seen, big franchise tournaments without your big international players kind of feel a bit empty and not nearly as good as they could be. You want to have your big guns playing. ECB clearly agree with this, and this is why they've switched up their central contract system in the men's competition. So as of the last couple of seasons, teams had one or two central contract players, and they were kind of, if we're being honest, a little bit confusing in terms of how they were actually allocated. You had stuff like Jack Leach being listed for Birmingham Phoenix, even though he was obviously never going to play, things like that. Intent merchant, intent merchant Rory Burns, of course, at Overland Baseballs. <laughs> yes. This year, they're changing it, and it's much less confusing. So each team has one all-format player with a central contract. So they are Joffrey Archer, Joss Butler, Sam Curran, Chris Wokes, Mark Wood, Joe Root, Ben Stokes, and Johnny Bairstow. We expect that they will all be retained by the teams they've been allocated to for the last couple of seasons. Um, if more than two are released, then there's a mini-draft, but let's face it, that's not going to happen because why would you want to release any of those players it's not going to happen anyway the main change after this point is that each of these players is going to be offered the highest salary of 125k to hopefully incentivize them to play the majority if not all of the 100 competition this year that might be a bit tricky because obviously the ashes comes just before the start of the 100 in fact days before the 100 starts is when the ashes finishes so there might be a couple of games that they miss, but hopefully they're hoping that the additional incentive of a pretty nice payday will be enough to see some of these big gun players play. Now, this does mean that because there's only one slot per team for a century contract player, some of the other players who were previously in the central contract bracket now drop back down into the draft mechanism. So that's going to be the likes of Zach Crawley and Ollie Pope 
if their teams want to retain them, they'll have to do so in the draft mechanism or they have to release them and they'll be selected in the draft. Which I think does open up the interesting point for the Trent Rockets of what you do with Darren Milan. Great season last year, probably going to want 125k and rightfully so. That opens up some questions for them. Zach Crawley, I think, also actually looked really, it's looked good for the in the big bash at, at times. So I'm interested to see where the, the value for him ends up. I I think this is this is good. I think that as we've seen with the Big Bash, you know, for for a while, the Big Bash was able to to just about sneak it without Warner and Smith and all of that. It was a good competition for a period. The issue was is just when you keep losing talent and you keep losing the identity of your franchise, it's an issue. And I'll tell you, I think the player the Big Bash has missed most isn't Steve Smith isn't Pat Cummins, isn't Mitchell Stark, um, isn't David Warner, it's Travis Head. Now, hear me out on this, right? Travis Head, phenomenal for the Adelaide Strikers. He is that franchise, that that innings he played against the Sydney Sixers on New Year's Day, that fantastic 100 he made, iconic, best, one of the, the best Big Bash moment, I think, clear. I think suddenly when you start losing players that mean a great deal to your franchise, that's... That that's an issue. And, and for the 100 to really connect, I think you do need those stars. And I think getting players like Butler, players like Joe Root, players like Ben Stokes in those teams is going to be so beneficial because it's not just, here's a superstar. It's also, here is the face of your franchise. Here are the players you're going to come and watch every week because you love them. I think that's really important. Um, so a good step, I think, in general. And I think it would be highly beneficial for um, all of all of the franchises and the 100 in general to have those players play. However, I do think that for some of them, it's not just a money issue. It's a, um, again, it's a workload issue. We paid lots of money, but they get, you know, all of these players get paid lots of money elsewhere sometimes. So uh, I think it's also a case the ECB needing to understand it's not just the money aspect of this for all of them. It's also cancelling really stupid bilateral series that mean nothing. It means not playing an ODI series against Australia three days after you've won the T20 World Cup final. It means stop random ODI or T20 series bilaterals in, in March just because you want to fit all in for television rights. It's not just about the money. It's also about the workload. I think that's important to remember, especially when you are, I don't know, for example, if you're, let's just say you're Joe Root. I, I don't I don't know the specifics of Joe Root's family situation, right? But I imagine his family are probably closer to Yorkshire than they are to Nottingham. So that, that again, when you've got a break from the test summer and you're Joe Root and want to spend some time with your family, I think that's also a factor there. Yeah, I think you're right. There is generally too much cricket uh, and too much cricket in many cases that doesn't mean as much as it probably ought to. I think sometimes less can be more. I think the less cricket there is, the more it does happen mean to people. Um, and I think it would be nice to strip back some of those, as you say, those meaningless part or series and just give players a bit more room to breathe. Because maybe they go away, have that time to breathe, have a little rest, and then they're going to say, do you know what? I want to go and play some cricket. I really want to go and play the whole 100 for the Welsh Fire. You know, if Bairstow, does, if Bairstow were to say that, I want to play the whole season for the Welsh Fire, just enjoy myself, hit loads of long balls, and smash 80 or 30 balls every single game, how much more fun is that team going to be to watch? You know, how many more people are going to tune in every week and come along to the Swaylake Stadium at Cardiff and watch Johnny Bairstow 
absolutely live it up. That's what this competition is all about. And the more players you get making that decision, the better it's going to be. So that's definitely something to bear in mind. But this is a step in the right direction. I feel physically ill every time someone calls it the Square Lake Stadium. I'm sorry, it's, 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 I don't even think it's called that anymore, is it? I think it's just, I think they've reverted back. But have it's they? Just, One second, some I think, important in journalism. I think they have, here. but it's just lodged in my brain. It's called the Swaylek. Swaylek Stadium. Well, apparently, apparently, well, on Wikipedia, Sophia Gardens Stadium, also called the, Card- the Cardiff Wales Stadium. Cardiff, Wales. That's a stupid name. Now, mm, this is interesting. Right, sorry. Um, this is this is important here. Yeah, it looks like they might have reverted. That's great news. That is mass. That is fantastic news for the Welsh Fire franchise. Finally, playing at a stadium that means something. Here we are. Beautiful. That's that's delightful. Uh, I think that's going to be proper cricket. That proper cricket. Pro- that proper is cricket. rubbish. Proper cricket. Hey, tell you what, it's much more difficult going down to Sophia Gardens to get yourself up the three points. Let me tell you that it's a difficult <laughs> place to go and play. The short straight boundaries, the River Taft, the atmosphere. It's a difficult place to go. You're going to be unsettled. The Swalek Stadium, no, right? It's, it's and I tell you what, Sophia Gardens and Swalek Stadium. Right? Sophia Gardens is Swansea with Michu. The Swalek Stadium is Swansea now. That's the difference that the name of the stadium makes straight away. I would feel much more proud to play at Sophia, at Sophia Gardens and the Square Lake. This is, this is, yeah. And this, this is, is what you came for, folks. This is why we call it an emergency podcast. Emergency podcast. <laughs> Sophia Gardens has been named correctly again. Welsh <laughs> Fire fans. This is bigger than your coach, lads. Right, before we go completely off the rails, uh, double wildcard stuff. So... Obviously, and there's, there's a big uh, sense within the 100, I think, that they want to see less rotation of players. We've seen that a lot. We knew that this uh, overseas wildcard thing was going to come to an end. But now we're having a double wildcard situation. So we're, it's a domestic thing, same as the wildcard draft. Now, rather than one, there'll be two players selected in that. Now, I don't fully know what that means for the wildcard draft itself. I, want, I don't know if it'll be a snake system or whatever it'll be, but it's basically just to, just to try and get more players into the squad so there's less dropping and changing all the time. Yeah, it's also a way of rewarding counties, I guess, it makes the blast feel that bit more relevant because they've got an extra spot to play for. So obviously the, the blast group stage will be happening directly before the World Cup draft. So there's a, a bit of narrative there. There's a direct goal for you. Do well in the draft. Do well in the blast increase your chance to get up in the World Cup draft. It makes sense to me. So the squads will be the exact same size as last year, except the fourth overseas player will be a domestic player. I think it's fair enough, honestly. There was a lot of coming and going last year to the point where, I mean, even we, I think, just got confused sometimes. And mm. We are tragic obsessors with this kind of stuff. You know, we had a massive spreadsheet tracking all the movements and stuff. And for the first week or so, we were on top and it was perfect and great. And by the end, we're just like, who the hell is this guy? Like, oh, Craig Miles is playing? Why, what? Why is Craig Miles playing such a prominent part in the Northern Superchargers title charge? That's, yeah, it, it... <laughs> that's the question everyone's asking. So this, this move will hopefully alleviate a lot of that. I also think that a big part of the reason for removing the overseas world card is to try and encourage teams to select free overseas players in the draft who are actually going to be available for the majority of the competition. 
because having the fourth one gives you a bit of wiggle room where you can say, all right, we'll pick this guy. He's not going to play too much, but that's all right because we've got the fourth pick in the wild card draft, so we can just get someone else nearer the time. I don't think they want that happening. I think the idea is as little movement as possible, encourage teams to select three players who are actually going to be there and hope that that actually pans out, which, to be honest, makes sense. I think it's a logical way to go. You don't want too many comings and goings. Try and keep these squads consistent across the competition. It's only four weeks, so I think it's doable. If you can do that, then it's a positive for me. I think it also makes sense to try and pressurise other boards to to release players potentially for, for periods. Um, but but that that is an issue that they're going to face still this year because effectively that that really that really causes issues for anyone who wants to sign West Indian players because they're all going to go to the CPL before the tournament ends. Um, that 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 is just going to cause an issue for them. So I wonder how they play that in that regard but interesting i do think it's good that more t20 blast players are going to get rewarded quicker and i also think it gives clarity to county sides which hopefully means that they won't have players plucked from them randomly at all times actually after the draft you're going to know that people are going to turn up absolutely and one thing that will come off the back of that which has been discussed and i think it's going to happen is that more movement between counties and 100 sides is going to be happening during the Royal London Cup. So players that are in 100 squads who aren't playing, who are sitting on the bench, can be released to go back and play cricket in the Royal London Cup for their counties. It's a logical move, and I'm glad that's the case. Yeah, that's really good. That's good news. I think I think it's important for cricketers to play cricket. Um, I think I think that that would be really important. So fingers crossed on that regard. I think that, that would be a very positive step. Um, any more emergency news to get through? I'm not sure there is any emergency news to get through. Not really, no, unless you want to discuss the emergency news that Kazoo won't be sponsoring 100 this season. No, no, we should have led with that. <laughs> Fuck my pussy. That's the big story. I totally forgot about that until now. Yeah, yeah because like, all, there's the sponsors pulling out, I think. Are Royal London also pulling out? They are pulling they out. Are? Uh, um, Kazoo, no, you can't. No more. <laughs> Ed Gamble. Is 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 going to be really happy about this because I cannot express how much I dislike Ed Gamble's voice after hearing that advert every twenty minutes on the TV. That's interesting. Well, I mean, time to get a new sponsor in. Um, yeah. Well, I think we're going to get new kits as well. I believe right. the new balance contract has run out. Obviously, last season the ECB changed kit providers for the England teams. So that's gone from New Balance to Castor. Mm. Um, so we're expecting the same to happen with the 100 shirts and kits the big clearances that they've been having over Christmas would suggest that they're trying to get rid of the old stock so maybe new kits coming I guess that could be an emergency podcast rating the new kits well who 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 would you change the kits off my question well I don't know if, I, this is the thing I don't know if they're going to change the patterns very much I imagine like the general colour schemes and patterns will stay broadly the same I don't think you can't, you can't change it too much you? No, you can't. No. You can't change those. But but if you were looking at a team and you thought, I'll tell you what, I would, I would, I would change that kit. It's the Southern Brave. I see. I I I have two candidates. Well, actually, I have multiple candidates. Um, but, <laughs> but I, I think I think that. But I don't love the Northern Superchargers kit. And I don't love the Southern Brave kit. Hmm. I think the Welsh Fry kit could stand out a bit more. The pink gradient is a bit dodgy. I don't, don't like, like the pink that. Gradient. I don't like that. I think it should be. I think it should have a massive dragon on it. Um, point Welsh is, it should dragons, be a bit more, bit, bit more bold. Yeah, Welsh dragons. But yeah, I don't love the superchargers kit. 
Um, I wonder if they do consider um, repurposing the kits a little bit. I don't know. They will use the same graphics because they're all owned by the UCB. So the graphics will carry over, but you, the, the changes will be fairly minimal, I would imagine. Um, but it's fun to speculate about what could happen. Speculate. Kit talk. That's what, we're, that's what we're here for. Look, I mean, there's, lot, there's lots to come on this. Obviously, the, the retention is going to be announced at some point. The draft is going to happen at some point. So we'll cover all of that. You're nodding at me as if, you, as if we know the retention period, and I've missed that. Yes, we do. Uh, Retention period ends on Valentine's Day, the 14th of February, a day after my birthday, no less. I am actually looking at booking a a restaurant for my girlfriend for a surprise meal on Valentine's Day. Um, She doesn't listen to this podcast, so that's no risk. And also no risk um, for me telling her that I'm immediately cancelling it to uh, spend the evening looking at the uh, retention list for the 100. Sorry, babe, I can't come tonight. Lewis deployed and retained for 50k. This is more important. Hi, hi, hello, hello. Yes, is uh, is that super expensive restaurant? Can I please cancel my reservation for two? Adam Rossington is becoming a free agent, and I want to <laughs> speculate how much money he's going to earn. <laughs> yes, that's happening on the fourteenth. Uh, I assume that's when they, uh, the retentions will be announced. That was the case last year, uh, and both men's and women's drafts will be happening in early March. Early March. Excellent. Can't wait for that. Looking forward to the uh, early March draft dates. Uh, looking forward to it all get going. Um, we'll have more podcasts. I'm assuming we'll have some of our retention thoughts, a little bit of a focus on the Welsh fire. We'll have lots of content coming up. But it is 9.44 on a Friday evening. We are both absolutely exhausted and going slightly insane during this podcast recording. So let's get out of here. Um, thank you very much for listening. Find us on Twitter at Podcast 100. We'll speak to you very soon. Thank you.